is Kara Marsicana with the Behind the Curtain podcast. In this episode, I had the chance to speak with director Nicholas Bruckman and producer Amanda Roddy, creators of the documentary Not Going Quietly, a film that follows Audie Barkin, activist and founder of the Be a Hero organization. Following his diagnosis with ALS, Audie sets out to travel the country and change American politics. Thank you both so much for agreeing to this. Um, I'm really, really honored that you are talking to me about this because it was such a powerful film. And um, we're hosting films from the Southern Circuit of uh, Independent Filmmakers. And I'm hoping that this can just build a context for our audiences. So as a prelude to this discussion about the film and filmmaking process, I'm really interested to know where you both come from in terms of your entry into the documentary film world um, and your career choice. Um, yeah, sure. I can start. Um, I, out of college, I knew that I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker, but I wasn't exactly sure how to make this happen. Um, this is my first feature documentary film that I've completed start to finish. Um, but when I initially graduated, um, Skidmore College is where I went, I started working for um, an independent documentary filmmaker for a couple of years. Um, and kind of watched him go through the PBS grant process um, and learned from him a lot, a lot of the, the beginnings of the, the trade um, and eventually kind of made my way to New York, just where I wanted to end up. Um, and later on, I ended up working with Nick at People's Television, um, which is a company that he founded. And uh, a few years later, we bumped into um, Adi Bergen and decided to, to make a whole film about him. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am, I was born and raised and grew up in New York City and um, also was always very interested in, in um, documentary and other kinds of storytelling. I was shooting films when I was seven years old with VHS cameras and editing them on the double VHS deck to record from one tape to another before any kind of computer could, could do it for me. And um, around 9-11, when I was in high school, I became really interested in progressive politics and activism and was very invested in this idea that maybe my skills as a storyteller should really be to combat xenophobia and hatred and, and violence and uh, the other injustices that I think were um, large part levied by the American government, but really not so much by the government, but by people in a, in a, in a public that didn't necessarily have the tools or the, or the resources or the visibility, visibility to have more empathy for marginalized and foreign and, and immigrants and, and Muslims and, and many of the various injustices that you know, I've experienced in my lifetime and, and seen this country develop, many of which are touched on and not going quietly. And so around that time, I really shifted my focus into this idea of working on social justice documentary storytelling, which I thought could be, I think is today the probably best tool that we have for generating empathy and giving people the opportunity to walk in somebody else's shoes or roll in their chair in Adi's case. And so I made a feature film. Um, this is my second feature documentary. I directed one that was about immigration called La Americana. Um, and also it's about the intersection of social justice, immigration and disability and has some overlap to this. I 
later produced a narrative film called Valley of Saints that was at the Sundance Film Festival in 2012. And throughout this time, um, really tried to bring those storytelling skills to brands, nonprofits, foundations, political campaigns and causes, all of whom were advancing things that I cared about and believed in. And one of those was the Be a Hero campaign um, who came to us in early 2018, Liz specifically asking to make a short launch video for their campaign, which would be a kind of two minute YouTube thing. And we ultimately did make, but as soon as we met Adi, uh, realized there was something much grander there. And so really it was the first time in a decade that I'd felt like, okay, I wanna drop everything or put everything aside and, and follow somebody around. It's a really big commitment, of course, to make a film like this, as you can imagine, for everybody involved, both the film team and the protagonists, et cetera. And so you've really got to believe in it. And, and it had taken me all that time before I felt like this is somebody that I want to want to invest in in that way. And, and it really did pay off. Yeah, that's great. Um, one of my questions was actually about your it seems that a lot of your previous work is really oriented towards social justice. And um, so you're saying that a lot of exposure to injustices kind of pushed you in that direction? Yeah, well, I, um, I identify as biracial and I think that has given me a lot of perspective. Uh, my mother's family is from India and my father's family is Jewish. And that's always both of those, that upbringing has made me really sensitive to um, people who are immigrants or people who look different from others and have always made me want to tell stories about people that aren't usually seen on screen. Um, my grandfather was blind and was very involved in the um, movement for the rights of the blind in India before there was really any rights for them at all. And so I think about him and his work a bit in, in terms of the canon of, of many great uh, disability civil rights leaders on whose shoulders Adi and others stand. and. Um, I think that um, it wasn't so much that I wanted to talk about my own experience it was more that kind of the opposite that I felt a great deal of privilege being, you know, living in New York City and having a middle class upbringing and having the luxury of being a filmmaker and storyteller that made me realize I need to in some way use that to heal the many divides in, in this country. And I think, you know, Adi is a great inspiration in that regard because he's turning a much more difficult circumstance into the same cause. So in that way, when I met him, it just um, really sparked something inside me. And the other thing I would just mention is that Adi and I are kind of, you know, about the same age. I think he's a year older than me and very profoundly clear to me. He sort of reminds me of the friends I had growing up and the same kind of humor. And his, you know, he lived between Southern California and New York City, as did I, and his parents mm -hmm. lived near where my family lives. Anyway, and all this is to say that it's just it was very clear to me in meeting him, like, oh, this could be me or somebody I grew up with. And how would I deal with this situation? And I can say certainly that I would not do it with the same amount of grace and resilience that Adi has. And so just taking a little bit of that away was the best thing for me about making this film. And I hope it imparts that into others, um, not just about the politics, but something beyond that. Yeah, yeah, he's incredibly courageous and that comes through so strong in the film. Amanda, did you, as far as your relationship to social justice work, was there, is there anything that pulls you in your early experience of life towards that kind of work? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. It's um, something that I've always really wanted to do in my work. I think that's what called me towards documentary filmmaking. Um, it's because I really liked writing and journalism and I also had an affinity for art as well. And it found, seemed like a really good combination of both of those skills. Um, and I wanted, I've always been as like an English major in college, um, really taken with other people's stories and wanted to help support other people and help and give them a platform as well. I think I'm a pretty privileged white girl <laughs> from a um, middle-class family and I am in a situation where, yeah, I, I grew up without too many of the struggles that so many Americans face and I feel like I'm hyper aware of that and want to constantly become more aware of the privilege that I have and then do anything that I can with, you know, some of the, the ease, I guess, my life has afforded me to help others. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I also really love this career. So I can't say that any personal issue necessarily hit me. There certainly are some, but um, I think it's just, yeah, kind of wanting to do whatever I can to make a difference in the world and help support other people in telling their stories. Thank you. So Liz is the one who reached out to you initially. And then you said that you decided that there was, or you felt that there was a larger story there that had the potential for a feature length documentary. Um, did you propose that idea to Adi or was it his idea? It was, it was our idea to do something longer form, but Adi, I would say was very, receptive right away. And he uh, says in the several Q and A's that we've done, which I really appreciate that he had to um, think long and hard about this proposition and what it would mean to bear his soul and his family's pain in this way. And he sat down with Rachel to really consider it carefully and what it would mean for their family. And he decided at long last that what really mattered was to be rich and famous and that this documentary would help him get there. And uh, I think what's funny about that is there's like some degree of it, which is true, which is not that he wanted to be rich or famous, but actually that he knew it would be an important tool to advance the political agenda that he cared about and that it would be a piece of the advocacy work that he wanted to do and make the meaning that he was making out of this disease and the healing he was trying to bring to others through his own illness, that this would be part of that arsenal. And so I think... And we approached it that way from the beginning too. I think it was always something journalistic and observational and we um, you know, kept our editorial control and tried to keep a emotional distance from the material and, and approach it in that way. Um, but I also think that, um, I don't believe that artists or documentary filmmakers necessarily need to be objective or that that's a virtue in storytelling, I think. It's about the impact that you have on audiences. And I certainly share Adi's politics as you know, you can tell from all the work I've done and, and what, what we were talking about. And so we were happy to be um, kind of used by him in that way. Of course, it was a two-way street, but I think Adi was very, he's very smart. He's a very, he's, he's a long, he's a decade long organizer long before he had ALS. He understands the power of storytelling. You see that in his confrontation with Jeff Flake. And so, um, he was, he was on board. Um, and the conversation, of course, with Rachel was more delicate, I think, in the sense of 
how much was on her shoulders already in terms of um, Adi's illness and the attention that the family was getting and her dual role as the caretaker for the family and her own career, um, as well as being part of Adi's movement, which she really was and, and is today. So those were, um, those were the, um, that, that conversation was more deliberate. And um, I think, and she's been on some Q's and Q&As with us as well to talk about her role and her participation. But I think she felt the same way that this was a way to help Adi navigate the circumstances that he was faced with and, and also shared the goal of advancing the cause of, of healthcare and, and social justice in the U.S. Yeah, there, there seems, um, I mean, it's such a traumatic experience and that I would just imagine that there's a lot of grief to be processed throughout. I also would imagine that it would be hard um, as you're developing a friendship with this family and with Adi uh, to not take on some of that grief yourself. Could you sp speak to that? Sure. Um, it's a really thoughtful question and a really good question. Um, it, yeah, like Nick said, over the past few years working with Adi, most honestly, most days we were working with him in that two-year period where we were initially filming, and it's impossible not to grow close to someone in that period of time. And it's tough too because when we first met him, he was still walking with the cane um, and with support, but to go from that level of him walking and being physically capable of doing that and talking to um, having to only use eye-based technology was really heartbreaking um, and there was no way around it. And to do a job while having to watch someone who you're going close to go through that is really difficult. Um, and it's definitely something that I think we tried to manage as best we can. It's tough too, because you know, it's, it's not a, typical situation. Um, it was something we were kind of thrown into happily, but um, definitely something we had to be conscious of. And I think um, we kind of like took every day as it came to us and kind of dealt with the new challenges that we were faced with because every day really was different. You know, some days Adi wasn't feeling as well or needed more support. Other days he was feeling great and we were running to catch up to him. Um, but in terms of the grief process, um, yeah, it's really tricky and it's also hard to, I think, as filmmakers, because you don't want to feel too sorry for yourself for having to feel sad about this because you, you look at Adi and what his family and close friends are facing and that's, you know, a thousand times worse than what you feel, but the, the pain and the grief is still really real for you and how do you manage that while, while doing your job, doing service to his story, it's all, it's all really tricky and I don't, I don't know that there's a, a guidebook to that. There's <laughs> certainly know that there isn't. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, there's a lot of like checking in with yourself and with him and his family, seeing how they're doing um, and trying to find that balance of when to lean in and keep pushing and when to take a step back for yourself too. Um, so it was a lot, it was definitely a lot to manage and it was a you know, relatively new experience for me to have to manage grief um, in a situation where, you know, it was also part of my job to capture that stuff. So that's what I can say. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, I don't know if you want to speak to that question. I agree with everything Amanda said. It's been an emotional journey all in all. And I think all documentary storytelling is like this, um, where you become incredibly attached to the people you're working with. And it 
goes to what I was saying about objectivity, which I think is not always necessarily possible or good, that your attachment to people and places and ideas and issues can be the thing that makes a movie compelling and, and persuasive and, and powerful and the kind of experience that you want the audience to have. Um, and um, so in terms of, you know, I'm thinking about it through the lens of what I would encourage other people or other filmmakers to think about, which is to not distance yourself from your subject. I don't think they're that, that approach, it's maybe different from, from traditional journalism in that way, even though there's many overlaps and I wouldn't necessarily speak to that craft in other formats, but I think the relationship really informs the stories. And so if you're not, if you're not moved and connected and in pain when your subject's in pain, you're probably not gonna be able to make your audience feel those things either and therefore care about who they are, what they're doing. But um, yeah, I'm grateful that Adi is still with us and is still fighting the good fight. We had this amazing experience of being at the LA premiere with him in person with the red carpet and the, got a standing ovation. And that was just a dream of mine for years to see that happen. And it was very uncertain that it would or that we'd be talking to you today and sharing it with students in, the, in, in North Carolina. And, um, you know, so I'm very, very grateful to him and to Amanda and to you for spreading the word that we're able to have this come out in a celebratory moment. You know, it's a difficult, it's a difficult issue that the film is wrestling with. It's a dark time in the country and it's a dark time for Adi. And so we want people to know and see how full of life and joy and the thrill of activism and social change that you see in this film, um, even despite Adi's condition. Um, and I, I hope that comes through in his work and in the movie. In one of the interviews that I watched that you that you did recently, you spoke a little bit about the collaborative role that you played in telling the story. And I'm wondering about playing a collaborative role in such a personal story that is unfolding in this sort of out of control way um, and striking a balance between curating and um, allowing yeah, um, just so I'm sure that I have the question right, it, our collaboration together? Yeah, and... with, with Adi and the, uh, the process that he's going through. And as far as, you know, um, curating dialogue or curating scenes versus just kind of following along. Yeah, I think um, one of the predominant approaches we took was to make a film that is very much verite. Um, there are a lot of interviews or we did a lot of interviews, but we tried to use them pretty sparingly throughout the film and allow real life to kind of guide the filmmaking process. And I think that made for a more organic collaboration because we wanted to kind of tell the story as it happened because the story is pretty remarkable. Um, so in that way, it wasn't easy to pull it all together by any means, but I think at least for the narrative arc, you know, um, we had a pretty strong sense of what what we were going for because we wanted to just tell Adi's story the way it happened in the best, most compelling way possible. And sure, that means that certain events were shortened and condensed, and some were skipped. But I think um, I think the the verite approach and using our strongest verite scenes to really guide the story. Um, made it a little bit simpler or a little bit easier. It wasn't, you know. I don't think any documentary filmmaker would tell you that putting 
any film together is an easy process, but um, in that way, I think that really helps guide us. Yep, I, um, I agree with all that. And there was a lot of other people um, in the collaboration. I think that Amanda spoke well to the uh, collaboration with Adi. So I'll just talk a little more about the folks behind the camera. Um, Amanda and I were working on this for over three years together from inception to today where the uh, movie has just came out yesterday on, on all digital platforms, um, which I will plug again later in the podcast. But um, in addition to Amanda and I, there was our editor, Kent, who really helped us thread this story. Um, it took over a year to edit the movie. And I think although it seems very linear and chronological and okay, Adi did this and did that. That was really, um, I think a lot of craft and story and writing and construction and the um, post-production process to thread all of the different work that Adi did together in his personal life over many years into a narrative that could be condensed into something that follows a traditional cinematic structure and is understandable. And there's so much that hit the cutting room floor that um, is part of the incredible work Adi did, but just couldn't be part of that, that story. Um, and also we were very lucky to have really great executive producers on the project, um, some of whom are, are well-known filmmakers and, and activists and celebrities, including the Duplass brothers and Bradley Whitford, um, who brought advice and connections and some financing to the project. And so we, it really takes a village, um, not to mention the many cinematographers and other uh, folks on our post-production team. So this is all to say that, um, you know, I think that documentary filmmaking is a team sport and um, it's really important for filmmakers who are young or who are students at, at North Carolina to really find the people that they want to work with. I certainly met a lot of the collaborators that I work with still in college. Um, in fact, the person who introduced me to Liz in the first place was a, a friend of mine from college. And this is all to say that, um, you know, finding your tribe and the people that you want to work with for that extended period of time is really important because it's a uh, uh, very intimate and long period of collaboration to work with somebody and, and, and to build a team around and for people to really trust you and want to be in something which the rewards of which are very far from, from visible when you begin. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to add that about the collaborative process. Yeah, thank you. What were some of the logistical challenges that you faced? Yeah. It's a good question. There, there were a lot. Um, I think as you, you, you can tell while watching the film that we shot this in many different states um, over the period of a couple of years. So one logistical challenge was simply, how are we gonna follow our subject who lives? We're based in New York, Adi's based in California. How are we gonna make sure that we capture what we need to all the time as things are unfolding when it's not realistic for us to constantly fly across the country or just you know, camp out in an Airbnb somewhere in Santa Barbara waiting for something to happen. So one thing that we had to do was build a network of really great freelance cinematographers, um, producers that could capture material when we couldn't be there immediately. Um, and also who we could call upon when we were, you know, kind of moving on the fly. So we would often fly out to California and shoot with Adi um, and had a solid network of people there. And we also did an RV road trip. Um, and on that RV road trip, we were also um, cutting political ads for Audi at the same time. So we had to learn how to build out 
um, a mini edit suite in an RV while we were traveling through God knows where, um, which is also really challenging. Um, and we did that with, you know, the combination of some souped up MacBook Bros and um, a really great Wi-Fi router, um, portable one, and um, some people who are really committed and don't get motion sickness, um, like our editor, Nick Trinum, and I know Brad Allgood, too, cut that. Um, so those are a couple of challenges that we face just logistically uh, making this film. And then I think, you know, there was also, of course, the challenge of, you know, making sure that, you know, we weren't pushing Adi too hard. He's probably more hardworking than any of us. So that wasn't always that much of an issue. And he was always encouraging us to film and also telling us when he was not interested in being filmed. Um, so that really helped. But sometimes there were moments where the line wasn't as clear. So we had to definitely check in with him um, and make sure that we were getting what we needed, but also respecting, you know, his boundaries and things like that. Do you have any fond memories that stick out to you from that period of three years? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there were so many that are not in the film. I mean, many of the things that are in the film, I think, were the, you know, that that hopefully made people laugh and and cry were memorable. But there were so many that really only made sense off camera. Um, you know, one thing that you don't really get to see is just that the whole RV trip um, had this kind of dual like experience during the day and at night where during the day we were doing this kind of righteous activism and confronting politicians. But then at night it was really like a road trip and a party and um, a, a sort of scene that, um, you know, you get a little taste of in the film, but was this really, really powerful bonding experience for all of us. And so many things happen that you see in like, a, think of in a traditional road trip, like the RV breaking down and happen to fix it in the middle of the road and the, you know, gray water overflowing and all of that kind of shit that you go through together on a road trip, except we were doing it with Adi on what was probably his last one, which made everything just so much more kind of uh, meaningful that we were doing together and just getting that time to spend with him. The other thing that was really cool for us was getting the experience of making the ads that Adi talks about in the film. A lot of our footage translated into these incredibly persuasive political ads that Adi used in the story and the storytelling. And it was just so gratifying to be able to use this footage of Adi messing with these politicians and actually turn it against them and then see them actually get defeated. It's very rare that as a filmmaker, whether a documentary person or an ad person, you just know that you're like winning and getting revenge. And we, we tried to give a taste of that in the movie. Um, but that to me was one of the most fun parts of making this was seeing, seeing Adi win and being, and being part of that. But there are many more. So I would, I would keep going. And man, I'm sure you got a ton. There are a bunch. Yeah. A lot of, there's like one memorable moment when Liz really wanted to get Adi into a Mike Pence rally that was going on and he was there and it, there was a ton of security. And so they went into a general army surplus store and dressed him up on a, in a like old vintage don't tread on me shirt stuck to American flags in the back of his wheelchair and uh, had him impersonate uh, a Mike Pence fan. And uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Adi's also a very good actor. So he got pretty far. He convinced the security guard that he was a Mike Pence fan and that like he had driven an hour just to see him um, and almost got in, but 
just didn't cut it <laughs> so almost next time yeah <laughs> but there yeah lots of lots of memorable events like that um yeah he's obviously a pretty funny guy so um he gave us a lot yeah. of material to work with that's for sure and a lot of material that we couldn't work yeah. with because it was <laughs> outrageous <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the um yeah other thing that we got no shortage of was other hilarious and crazy moments with Carl of which we've created an entire blooper reel. Um, and, you know, we hope that he'll get to watch those someday on the special features of the DVD um, and uh, appreciate uh, all the ridiculous moments between the two of them, you know, as, as Carl learns to, you know, adapt to the way Adi talks and, and speaks and stuff. And you get a taste of that in the movie, but there was so, so much more behind it. Wow. Wow, I can't wait to look for that. I would imagine this is probably a question that you get a lot, but I have to ask it anyways. Um, what impact do you think that this process had on you personally? One thing that I talk a lot about is that in addition to this film coming out, I also had this major milestone at the same time of becoming a father myself. Um, I had a baby right around the time the movie premiered at South by Southwest in February. And I, it sounds um, maybe a bit corny or cheesy to say, but I'm, you know, embrace it because it's, it's really true that seeing Adi and Carl kind of grow up together, we were there with him day in, day out from the time Adi was really still, a, Carl was really still a baby to being a, a little boy and watching the two of them grow together um, was something that really made me feel like ready to be a dad and excited to be a dad and realize that there were no um barriers to being a good dad if Adi can do it and so I think that's part of the reason the film I think focuses so much on that relationship and what's political about the relationship between the family so you know a lot's going on in in my life that I attribute Adi to besides just being inspired politically and that's probably the most most profound impact and of course just being more ready to fight I think I was very became more jaded over the years as a filmmaker and I think it's the same same thing applies that if Adi can do it if Adi can do a great job of this if Adi's participating then what's what's my excuse yeah and I I always struggle with this question because I feel like there are so many ways and I still feel like I'm working through the ways in which I've been changed I feel like I've just learned so much about life in general and not just documentary filmmaking process but you know what's the meaning of a life well lived like who do we choose to spend our time with and what do we choose to spend our time on and doing in our in our day-to-day -day lives and one thing Adi talked about a lot that isn't so much in really isn't in the film but he always said that he went to Yale Law School and then immediately went into organizing pretty much um and he was really proud of that decision because he felt like he never regretted any of his decisions in his career and what he spent his time on because he was always doing it, working with people that he genuinely liked and enjoyed being around and also working for people that he felt, you know, were deserving and that our voices needed to be heard and that gave him a lot of meaning and purpose, whereas a lot of other people that he knew in law school went on to go on work at corporate jobs and didn't find as much um, meaning in that work. So I think one thing that I've really, that stuck with me is just to make sure that as I go through my life, I'm making choices that are, you know, 
important to me and that feel like I'm living a life of purpose and that I'm doing things that, you know, are going to make people's lives a little bit easier in the future. Um, and I really look up to him in that way because he's, you know, lived his whole, le- well, most of, <laughs> most of his life um, and his career like that. And he, you know, I think mirrors that kind of sentiment in the way that he is a father and the way that he's a husband and the way that he's a friend um, and a colleague. So I really, I really think that the way that he treats other people is something that has impacted me a lot and stayed with me and the way in which he treats every person as an equal and listens to people. He really, really listens to people. Um, and I think that makes him really good order and um, person to kind of champion these messages because he's able to distill what a lot of people are thinking um, into a really comprehensive message that people can get behind. So those are some of the ways that he's definitely had a big impact on me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine that's a lot a lot to process. And to close, I, I just wanted to open it up if you have any anything that you want to share with audiences um, who will be viewing the film. Sure. The only thing I would add is to let folks um, who want to share the movie after seeing it through the South Arts uh, program and through these uh, screenings in the South and, and, and in, at UNC is that the film is now available on all the digital platforms where you can rent or download movies, including iTunes and Amazon and Apple TV and Google Play and all that stuff. Um, and then the film will later on be available on PBS POV in January 2022, um, where it will broadcast nationally, which we're really excited about and stream on PBS. And we really want to help spread the word about the movie. And we want young people to make folks aware of it. It's always hard to break through the noise and the superhero movies with an independent film like this. And so we're really counting on word of mouth and folks like you and these interviews to help spread the word. And so there's really a part that everybody can play if they're moved by the film, which is to uh, watch and, 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 and share the word on social media, especially. So um, we are really grateful for this conversation and to be able to do that with all of you. And check out our website, notgoingquietlyfilm.com. There are all kinds of updates there too and links to our social media pages if you want to tag us or reach out. Um, We would love to hear from everyone. And if you're interested in learning more about Audi and the Be Hero campaign, you can go to joinaudi.com and that'll link you to all of their pages and the issues that they're working on. Um, Yeah, as well as Audi's social media, which is also very worthwhile to follow if you haven't already. Great. Thank you so much. It really means a lot that you've taken the time. And, oh, um, of course. Thank you for having us. This is a really awesome discussion. Great questions. Um, and I really hope that, yeah, everyone likes the film. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to everyone's reaction. So, Me too. Let us know. Thank you.